Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. If you would, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. Now, we are in some deep, deep water. But I want you to know something. The Lord has given us water wings to float. No, wings to fly. See, the next three chapters, if you will, is something for all of us to take notice and to hold to our heart as dear as true. And it really goes from here, from the mind into the heart. Truths that God is saying, I see, and I want you to see and know. In fact, chapter 6, we're going to see three no's. He's saying, know this, know this, know this. And so my prayer for each of us is that we do get to know this. For it is what you desire, it's what you long for, but it's something that most people just don't get. And my prayer is that through these weeks of going through these chapters, that you and I will For if we do, like I said, it's just not water wings. It's wings to fly life, Christ. It doesn't mean there's not going to be struggles, because there is. Because just as a bird flies, it flies closer to the sun. We too. And the sun wants to burn things off of us, because the sun wants to use us. And that's my prayer for each of us in this time. So, if you will, we are in Romans chapter 6. What we're going to read here this morning, we're not going to get through. We are going to take our time. But if you will, read with me, starting at verse 1 of chapter 6 of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that As many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism in His death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would know this. That you would guide us in our thoughts and our heart, Lord, to receive your truth this morning. And Lord, my prayer is for those that still struggle in this flesh in such a way that they feel like they're beaten. Lord, that they would understand, that they would know the truth that you are trying to teach each of us. We pray for each of us, Lord, that we would learn these truths so that we could be better equipped 
to be servants of yours in this day and age. Lord, there's darkness in our desires to be light. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. And it would be said, Amen. You may be seated. What shall we say then? Now, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul is basically, if you will, taking an argument that many people say to him. And it really goes back to, if you will, let's look at from verse 18 of chapter 5. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you not understand? Do you not grasp? Do you not believe? Do you not receive the truth of the Word of God? That God says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is my mercy toward those who fear me. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Psalm 103, 11-13 says. And Micah seven nineteen he says, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And as Corey Ten Boom says and puts a sign up and says, no fishing. In Isaiah 43:25, I, even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. See, God chooses not to remember your sins. They're blotted out. And Romans we'll get to in chapter 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Now, the argument is, Paul would get, is you're teaching this grace gospel so people aren't going to be obedient to what is right, morally right, or in the case of the Jews, the law. I mean, they're just going to go, hey, we're sin abounds, grace abounds more. And some people actually take this. It doesn't matter how much you sin. Why? Because God's grace covers it all. So why not sin? And Paul's saying, what? What are you saying? Look at verse 2. He says, certainly not. Or, if you have the King James Version, it says, God forbid if you have the NIV, it says, by no means. If you have the CEB, absolutely not. If you have another modern translation, it says, that's unthinkable. It comes from two words. Not into existence. Perish the thought. Don't even think it. No. Absolutely not. Why? Because you have died to sin. Why live any longer in it? 
Not dead. It was dead, severed, and gone completely. But you died to it. It's gone. In the sense that you have no more need to obey it. It doesn't reign over you. Remember, that's what we learned in the previous message. We learned that sin and death reigned over us. Now it has no power or authority over us. You're free. You're free not to sin. You are free not to be dominated by it. You are free to live a life in Christ. Notice again verse 21. It says, Sin ruled over us in death. Grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who should reign over us? Not your sin. Not your old nature. Not the old person. No more. We've been freed. Freed in Christ. Look at verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized in Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? Now, when I teach about water baptism, I teach on these verses. But you want to know something? This isn't about water baptism. Does that surprise you? Uh, not in its substance. Not really. See, the word is baptizo. It means to immerse or dip, submerge. So what's he saying here? Look at it again. Or do you not know that you were submerged into Christ? You were submerged into His death. See, it speaks of a union, an identification with Christ. This is something that we are to know. Do you not know? See, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died. He died. And when He died, He died for my sins. But see, what happens is that God, when you come to Christ, when we understand that He died for my sins then what happens is that God takes us to the cross. In essence, in His eyes, He crucifies us with Christ. See, when you came for your sins to be cleansed, a lot of times we think it's a spectator sport. We sit back and say, oh, look, He died for me. Now I must live. No. See, in God's economy, what happens is He takes us to the cross and He says He's dying not because of His sin, but because of your sin. And to really be joined together with Him, you must understand that in my eyes, you die with Him. You've died to your sin. You've died to everything that has held you guilty. That old man, that old son of Adam, God sees him on that cross. But you have died together. But not just died together in death. Look at this. Therefore, we were buried with him through, again, immersion, identification into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Therefore, I was buried with Him. To bury together with. The word means to die together. That's basically, completely, cleanly, simply what it means. 
that you died with him. You were buried with him. I was placed into the death in his grave. But also as Christ was raised from the dead, I too was raised with him. So that I should walk, as he says, look at this. Therefore you should walk, even so we should also should walk in newness of life. That's not a suggestion. He's not saying you should as in, well, now you should. No, you should now walk. You, you've been born again, if you will. You died with Him. You were buried with Him. You've been raised anew. So that it's not a suggestion, but it's to walk. It means to regulate one's life. It means to conduct oneself. Into what newness? In the new state of life in which the Holy Spirit places us. So as to produce a new state, which is eternal life. You have been born again. I have been born again. I don't feel it, you say. I don't understand it. I know you don't. Neither do I. But it's true. God says it. This is what's happened. See, that old Adam in you, that old man in you, has been placed on the cross with Christ. And when he died, that old person died. He's made all things new. You're new. In fact, Scripture says it this way, you have been given a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. It goes on to say, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. He's also given us a new spirit. Again in those verses. And I put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. You've been given a new song. In Psalm 40, verses 3-4, through He has put a new song in my mouth, praises to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. You are a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have been given a new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. You are a new person. A new self. In Ephesians 4.24 And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You know what this means? This means that when you came to Christ, that old person of you, it died with Christ. And God says, I made all things new. See, it's like, if you will, that God has given you, let's say, well, I was with Elijah and he saw a Corvette. And he goes, oh, that's a really neat car. I'd like to have it. A Corvette. Let's just say your dream car. It's a beautiful car. It's brand new. There's not a scratch on it. None of your kids have put their sticky fingers in the inside yet. Nothing's... It's, you sit in it and you smell it. And you go, oh, it smells so beautiful. It's so nice. But then what do you do? You go to your old car. You get in it. You drive it. And you never drive the Corvette. You don't want it to get dirty. You, you don't want it to get used in this world. No, man. It just sits there. And every night you go in there and you sit in and you go, ah, this is nice. It's kind of therapeutic for you because you're thinking, oh, it's so new. It's so nice. Nobody's touched it. 
But then again, you go back into your old car and there's sticky fingers all over things. You touch the steering wheel and you can't let go of it because it's so sticky. You know, and the radio, the radio doesn't work. A CD player, you're going, what is a CD player anymore? Who has that? That's what we do. You spend your life in the old jalopy. You spend your life with the old old person you never realize you're brand new not because I'm telling you God says not that I say it excuse me not because I'm saying it but God says it you are new brand new that's how I see you I've given you everything new won't you just understand and know this truth Live like you are brand new. Chuck Smith said, My body of sin has been put out of business. If I want forgiveness for my sins, I must see Christ having been crucified for me. If I want the power over sins, I must see myself crucified with Christ. And I would add, now resurrected to new life. Brand new. Brand spanking new. Now don't come up and smell me. That's probably not a good idea. But I am new. Now, look at verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, again, we come to a place like this. Okay, so I'm, I'm brand new. That's good. But if you ever sat in a new car, especially nowadays, I had to do this at work. There was a while there at, uh, when I worked with Bristol that, see, I traveled a lot. I, I did measures and I troubleshot and I, stuff like that. Boring, I know. But what happened was there was a while there, a stretch, that they had no vehicle for me, so they kept renting me these different vehicles, brand new vehicles. And I have to tell you, it's a really interesting thing going into new vehicles because you have to figure out how they start. You do. Some have a button. Some have a, an odd key that you actually stick into the button. It's really weird. It's, it's not what you would think. It's like, and you're going, where do you stick this? Because it's a weird looking key. You go, where does this thing go? And then you finally figure it out. Or some still have the old key that you put in the ignition. Then you've got to figure out where the fan is, where the air conditioning or the heater is. You have to figure out how the, where the seatbelt is and how it goes in. I mean, all these things you have to figure out when you're going into different cars. And that's the thing we are. We're like, okay, I have a new car. How does this thing work? How does it run? I wish I had somebody sitting next to me so they can tell me how this thing runs. Well, I got great news for you. The new man, the new woman, you have somebody there with you. See, that word if could be actually the word since. So if we use it that way, it's, for since you have been united together in the likeness of His death. That word united together, in the King James it's planted together. See, the word means implanted by birth or nature. It means grown together. It means united with two words. Grow with. Also in His resurrection. See, it's not like the Lord is going, okay, be free, now go fly. you got a new car. Learn how to drive it. 
And some of you would be like taken off in a helicopter. It's just as fast as you can go. And the thing's kind of taking wings and you feel like you're going to fly. And yet it's scary because you keep crashing. Some of you are so scared that you're just barely even going two miles an hour because you don't want anything to happen. The problem with that, though, is if you drive too slow, you're just as dangerous. How does it work? How am I supposed to grow in this? How am I understand? I'm supposed to understand how everything works? Is to understand that Christ is with you. He's joined Himself. It's for us to just abide. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, you know what? Let's look at those verses quickly. If you will, turn with me to John chapter 15. I want you to listen to his words, but I want you to listen as I were just teaching. You are united together with him. You have been planted with him. You will grow with him. Now, how much we understand and continue to grow depends on how much we just remain. So let's pick it up in verse 3, chapter 15. Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me or remain in me or stay with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me, or let's use our word, immersed. If you are immersed in me and my words are immersed in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. See how we're growing? We're growing. We're remaining in Him. We're remaining in His, in His love. We're growing together in understanding as He teaches us, as we stay side by side with Him. Now look at verse 8. By this My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be My disciples. See, His desire for growing with us is that you bear much fruit. And if you will, a lot of it is the fruit of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. This is what He's trying to produce in us. But see, what we do is we get kind of tired and it's like, oh, i got to get going. Now, I just went fishing with Elijah Pletner and see, he was actually casting it out there and he caught some fish because he knew how to do it. Now, I went fishing a couple times, but I remember the first time I took my Elijah now, if you know my Elijah, my Elijah, of course, now he's an adult, so he doesn't do it as he used to, but the guy was a, he was a, he was a firecracker. I, he was always on the move. I had two sons, and it's funny because they were totally opposites. I had one who was Elijah, who was always on the go. And then I had a Micah that was contemplated and thought. And see, with Micah, I could say, hey, Micah, 
Lay down. Let's check out the clouds. Look at that. It looks like a dragon. That looks like a wolf. And you say, yeah, that looks like a dog. That looks like a lion. But if I took Elijah and said, lay down, he'd go, why? I go, look at the clouds. He goes, oh, those are clouds. He goes, ooh, bird, get up and go. Well, the reason I'm telling you this is because one time I took them fishing and I threw the line in there and I had their fishing poles. I threw their line in there. And Elijah goes, where's the fish? I go, well, they're in the water. they got to bite the hook. He goes, what? You mean we just sit here and wait? I go, yeah. Now, Micah's sitting with his pole, and she's just sitting there right next to me. Elijah goes, what? Throws down the pole, goes, grabs my fishing net, and he goes in the water. They're going like this, looking for the fish. Where are they at? I go, son, that's not how you're going to catch a fish. You have to be patient. You have to really let the fish see the lure, bite the lure, and then you cast it in. It's called fishing with a, a rod. It takes patience. You must stay at it. Don't give up. Don't go off without me because you're not going to catch anything that way. Let me show you how to fish. Let me teach you how to fish. Let me walk with you. Let me teach you how to live. Let me be your father. Walk by my side. Are you with me? See, we get off thinking we have to do things to be better Christians when Christ just says, stay with me. Why why are you running off? What are you trying to do? Yes, you must have patience because my work is perfect. And you have to understand is you still have that old nature. Oh, it's dead. You died to it in a sense. But it's there. And see, if you will, it's the old proverbial, cut the chicken's head off. What does the chicken do? It runs around, right? Well, that's what a lot of us do. We run around. Now, there's an old story that goes around with pastors, and they always use this illustration. So, I'm a pastor. I'll use the illustration. See, there's these two Henri boys. One of the Henri boys took a knife, a butcher knife from his dad. The guy, other friend goes, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. Got to do something with it. So they tried to throw it into a tree. And if you know a butcher's knife, it doesn't work going into a tree. It's going all over the place. And then, by chance, a turtle right there. A good-sized turtle. And the turtle is trying to walk to the water. And the guy with the butcher knife goes, I got what you can do. Took the turtle, took the head, and went, cut the turtle's head off. But the turtle kept walking still. And so now they had a debate. One of them said, the turtle's dead. The other one says, no, it's not, it's still walking. The other one says, no, the turtle's dead. He says, no, the turtle's still walking, it's alive. Now, the older brother of the kid that took the butcher's knife comes up and goes, Ooh, you're going to be in trouble. You took Dad's butcher knife. His friend goes to his older brother. He says, So, the turtle, do you see it? We cut its head off. It's still moving. Do you think it's alive or do you think it's dead? And, of course, the older brother, full of wisdom, said, Ah, uh, I think it's dead. He just doesn't know it. 
dead. Do you know that? You don't have to. Man, that chicken, when it gets running around, huh? When I don't know what to do, or just my flesh raises itself up. Man, it seems so alive. Still slave to it in some way. Because see, just as that turtle was probably walking the same path the turtle always walked to the water, it was still walking the same route. See, that's what the old nature does. It just knows what it did before. And see, really, if you will, this what it really means is what it really means is see the mind hasn't caught up to the truth because see I know something every one of your hearts are beating saying I know that to be true why can't I live it why can't I be that person that you're speaking of. Now, if you're still in John chapter 15, we're getting close, folks. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will be immersed in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and I'm immersed in His love. See, it's to obey even though you may not understand. It might be hard. But see, He's telling you to obey. He's telling me to obey. Not my flesh. His voice. As we're growing together, He's trying to teach me how to live. But I must listen and obey. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Oh, you be immersed in it. That your joy may be I'm not telling you this to command you as a slave. I'm telling you this as a co-laborer with you. The one who co-died for you. Who co-rose again with you. If we may even use that word. Verse 12, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. They lay down one's life for his friends. And now, taking that, you can flip back now to Romans, but listen to me. This is what it says in Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy? What motivated him? Oh, obedience to his Father, Yes. But this may come as a surprise to some of you. You're His joy. You were. That's why He did it. That's why the Father submitted His Son. Because He loves you. It was his joy. 
It's His joy to help you grow. It's His joy to bring you to maturity in faith and in your walk with Him. Can you know that this morning? Because this is what He's telling us. Know this. Know this. Don't don't let this go by. Because see, that's what the enemy will do. He'll say, come on, man. Let's be practical. This truly hasn't happened in your life. You're going to be struggling with this all your life. Now, and, and in one sense, there's some truth to that, but not like you would think. See, when we caught the fish, you cut the head off of the fish. And you clean it. And I won't get into the gory details, but what you do then is you take the inside of it out. Now, there's something about fish, and it's interesting. You know how I learned how to clean fish? was uh, going fishing with my dad, and then my dad showed one time how to clean it. And then, you know, there's like 20 fish there because there were several of us fishing. And then he goes, okay, now you know how to do it. Clean them. And then he goes, walks into the cabin where it's air-conditioned. And the thing is, is when you're cleaning fish, it's interesting, two things, three things really, but the one merges into the second, and that is this, is that fish smell like fish. In the sun, it intensifies. And see, that smell that you're smelling isn't just on the fish now, it's on your hands. And it just doesn't quite come off that easy. Oh, you can wash it several times. But something else happens when you're cutting into a fish. Flies seem to just migrate to the smell and the stench and the guts and everything now. That's the death of the old person. That stench remains. And though you wash your hands so many times, you think, is it over yet? But it's not. But you know what gets the stench out? Living. When you try to get the stench out, it doesn't work. But as you go about life in Christ, the stench becomes less. So, like I said, and to end this, because again, I want to take our time through this because this is so important for us to know. So we learned something, didn't we? Because, see, really comes down to is the battle is in your mind. Now, I just showed you verses that you have a new heart, you have a new spirit, you're a new creation, you have a new name, you're a new person. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to read these verses and I want you just to listen. Because there's four of them I'm going to read. Maybe five. Listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, if you want to read it later. Paul says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us by God co-person. These things we also speak, not in words 
man's wisdom teaches, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, dead fish, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Because it doesn't feel it. I can't feel it. It doesn't seem right in my flesh. I can't receive this. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So now you may understand why in Romans chapter 12, which we will get to, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning this, I'm dead and I understand that. I am laying myself on the table saying, I am yours. I'm not living for myself and my own flesh anymore, but for you. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, to put this in a nutshell, give you Scripture here that you already know and understand. And even the concept you may understand. But again, the question is, is do we put this to practice? See, the battle truly is in the mind. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, meaning anything and everything that would put my mind into the flesh, that would make me desire the flesh again. Because see, the thought hits and then the desire becomes alive. It first begins in the mind, whether it's through the eye gate, the ear gates, or the imagination. It begins there. And then the old nature again comes alive. And what Paul is saying that anything that will keep your eyes off of Him right away say no. You know why that's so important? Because in our society, we have all this distraction. Every one of us. Every one of us, there's something speaking to us. Whether it's through a screen on the television, the computer, whether it's the radio and we're listening. Everything is telling us in our society about ungodly living. And then we start questioning our life. We question really our worth. We question the things that God has given to us. Now, if you will understand this, this is the enemy's tactic. Because Scripture says, godly contentment 
is with great gain. But we always want to look over the fence. We always want, oh, oh, this guy left his wife. Or, wow, this woman, look what she did. She started her own business. Now she's a multimillionaire. Or we're constantly looking at things in this world and it's just trinkets, if you will. It's things to get us off the track. It's a chicken running around with his head cut off because none of these things satisfy and you and I truly know that, but we're still suckered into it because this is what the enemy's tactic is. Why? Because the battle is here. And if he can get you off understanding that you coexist that you remain, that you're immersed in Christ, if He can get you off that rock for even a second, He's got you. And if He can get you thinking just for a moment, then you'll go on a tailspin. And when you hit that tailspin, you're going to hit the ground and you're going to be depressed. And then you're going to go, Oh, Lord, forgive me. And God in His mercy and His grace, because you're His child, He forgives you. But guess what? You let that pattern remain. The enemy is smirks. Because if I can get you to off the one who loves you completely, if I can get your mind on something else rather than Christ and His Word and His truth, He goes, success. Put off. Put off. Guard your heart. For out of it is the issues of life. Guard your mind. Because that's where it begins. And that's where the enemy knows. Now we put off. And you already know what put on is. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Know this. Know this. This is truth. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Not what you don't have, but what you do have. And you have Christ. You have it all. Everything that you were created for is satisfied and found in Him. Everything else is just a chicken running around with its head cut off. I'd save the turtle, but the turtle don't run. We all understand that truth. My prayer is as we go through these wonderful chapters that you and I will understand what it means to abide. Let's pray. Father, it's your truth that we've heard this morning. Our prayer is that we would know these things. That we would know them in such a way that gets our hearts and minds clear. With the understanding that You have not left us as orphans. 
your desire is to come alongside us and help us to grow and to learn of all the great riches that you have given to us as being in you. Immerse this morning in the truth, Lord, that we symbolize in baptism that we died with you, that we were buried with you, but we rose again with you into new life and newness. That everything pertaining to life has been given to us. Everything that is needed to live a godly life. Everything needed, Lord, to be representatives of Yours. To be light in this dark, dark world. To be men and women that are content in You with the understanding that even if our circumstances are rough and tough, that these should always bring us back to You, centered on You, focused on You, not leaving You. Because You, for the joy that was set before You, died for us. And now You are our greatest Advocate. That Your Spirit resides in us. And we, Help us to live these truths out, Lord, this day and this week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.